Hey, everybody. It's BJ Kroger here with the Quincy Cannon. Along with me is Eric Keneal, as always. Eric, how are you doing today? I am doing great, Brian. Really excited to uh, have this conversation tonight. Yes. Unlike the normal conversation, where it's just you and me, uh, we have a special guest um, with us today, tonight, uh, this morning, whenever you're listening, is uh, Kate Daniels. Kate, how are you? Living the dream. Living the dream. Uh, I know I know you are vacationing uh, here at the end of summer, so I hope you're having a good time. Well, actually, I'm not vacationing. I own no. uh, I own rental property, so I'm up here taking care of my tenants. Oh. Well, a responsible tenant. That is something Quincy should learn from. <laughs> landlord. Oh. Responsible landlord. <laughs> oh, but I, I digress. That's that's actually not why we invited you to talk t- tonight, <laughs> but uh, maybe, maybe at another time, because uh, that's definitely a topic we will be talking about in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the reason we wanted to talk with you is uh, you actually uh, listened to the podcast. So thank you. We, we, we appreciate that. Yeah. And um, and we were kind of bewildered, befuddled um, with the McBride case in Quincy and kind of the resol- the resolution or what felt like the lack of a resolution to that. Um, and so we wanted and, and, and you offered um, we didn't we didn't have to we didn't have to bribe you, although we should probably pay you uh, for, for joining us uh, uh, to kind of help explain why why that, why that happened. So, um, without further ado, if you, if you don't mind, um, I, I'd love to just quickly touch on your, your background, uh, with law and then, um, and then we can, uh, talk about the McBride case. Sure. Are you going to ask so, me just to go ahead and kind of say, yeah, uh, no, yeah, you're fine. Um, I, what, what I, I guess what, um, uh, tell tell us about your experience experience as a as a as a sorry. Tell us about your experience as a as a lawyer uh, for the state of Wisconsin. Sure. Well, I actually got my degree in um, at Mitchell Law School or William Mitchell College of Law, um, and I spent a year as a student attorney in the public defender's office in St. Paul's. It was Ramsey County, um, so that's kind of where I learned like much of this, the the basic basics. Um, and then I was hired as a state public defender in the state of Wisconsin in 92. And I was there until 2008 when I moved down to Quincy. So that was about 16 years then. Yep. And, and okay. So, um, so yeah, you've probably um, defended clients similar to Miss um, McBride. Is that, does that sound about right? Well, Every case is very unique, but yeah, we had cases all the way from uh, juvenile cases, misdemeanor cases, mental health commitments, um, and anything where the state acted to deprive someone of their liberty. Okay. So I think where uh, Eric and I were, what we, we were having trouble understanding with the McBride case is that um, obviously it's a terrible situation where there, there was a a vehicle accident that resulted in, in four dead um, people, um, three children and a grandmother. And uh, at first it seemed like the state's attorney's office was going to uh, come out, out with a first degree murder charge. I think that's what they announced in a press conference. And by the time we were getting to trial and some things came through, um, there was a drastic change and a, a plea deal deal was had, um, with completely different, 
which were completely different charges from, again, I believe it was first, first degree murder. Uh, and it was, it has to do a lot with the, the mental state of Miss McBride during the vehicle accident. Is that your understanding? Is that, is that how, how this came to be? Well, I'll tell you, um, after I opened my mouth and <laughs> said I would come on and talk about it, I was like, geez, I really don't know the facts that much of this particular case. <laughs> so I was like, well, I better figure that out. But because I had some general ideas that I thought would be great to talk about regarding mental sure. health and, and um, policy and how that affects criminal justice. But I went to look um, to see what information I could find out, like the charges and when they changed and what happened. And I found that on Judici, it, there's nothing. There is, and Judici.com is where you can look up uh, criminal cases or other cases to find out, you know, what's going on. That was completely void. There was nothing there except for there was a um, a small claims case against uh, Ms. McBride. So. I was like, oh, well, I better find out what happened here. But I did read like through the muddy river, but they don't understand or have all the legal implications. I mean, they're reporting on what happened in court that day. Sure. Um, but there was actually an appeal. And so I did read that appeal case. Um, and so I can kind of talk about that. So, yeah, they came out strong. You know, they came out saying she did this intentionally. She killed these four people and um, maybe more. Uh, and so they charged her with four counts of intentional homicide. And I was like, really? That seems a little overcharging for when I was hearing rumors that she had been, she was intoxicated. So, oh, sure. yeah. yeah. So that was strange, right? Yeah. And, and, I, and I, as I read um, and was kind of reviewing things, um, she, she had a complete mental break from reality, I guess. Uh the, the argument is, is that she, she did not, she could, she couldn't understand the, the, she couldn't understand that the, the, that she was even the state of her mind. She was not even real to the world, I guess you would say. Right. Like she, she, she couldn't distinguish between right, wrong and criminality. Right. So is that, is it, have you seen that before where a person's state of mind, uh, I mean, they what they didn't say insanity, but that's kind of the thing that kind of came to mind, at least that that I was thinking of. Right, and some of those terms are old terms, and we not, don't necessarily feel comfortable using them anymore. But many of these laws were done so long ago that that's what they have. So in the state of Wisconsin, it was guilt. It was different. You could plead not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect, but you would still have the same punishment. In right. Illinois, from what I understand, and now I haven't practiced criminal law, but I did do some research in the insanity defense, basically, you know, not understanding what you're doing when you're doing it at the time of the offense is an affirmative defense, which means that she is completely unresponsible. If she were to go to trial and win, she would not have any penalty or punishment at all. It would be, you were insane at that time and you, you know, you're free to walk. You're yeah. goodbye. Yeah. Wow. So and wow. that's a, uh, that's interesting. Eric, did you, did you have a question or I didn't want to interrupt you? No, no. I, I'm just, I just think it's interesting. Cause I mean, certainly what we're talking about here is starting to make things make a little more sense from, from obviously yeah, a lot more sense, know, uh, whether or not, you know, it seems like an interesting thing to 
not not so much the mental health side of it. I don't I don't think there's an issue with. Obviously, there should be. I think policies that have that uh, have that kind of covered for. Obviously, you never know the situation, but I think it's interesting that it can be a you're deemed you know not sane at the time, and so that's it. <laughs> I think it's interesting. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I, I, go I'm ahead. sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just, I'm trying, I was trying to figure this out. You know, I looked up the statute and I read it and it said, yeah. And I looked up some stuff online and they said, yeah, this is an affirmative defense. But there is another thing that's um, guilty, but mentally ill. And so that's another um, plea or it's another, like you could be found guilty of the actions, which you must have been somewhat sane and then, but you're mentally ill. And so... Um, you would have some consequences because you're guilty, right? So it's my understanding that that's still on the books, that insanity plea, that's an affirmative defense and that you have no responsibility after that. Um, But then there's also this guilty but mentally ill where, okay, you're guilty, but we're not going to treat you like we would treat a defendant who was not mentally ill. We're going to give you you would but then be, if you went to prison, you would then get mental health treatment or, uh-huh. yeah. So I'm not sure in, in Illinois, but in, in Wisconsin, the insanity plea where you would have no responsibility at all was not an option. And I'm surprised to find that here. So, and I'm not super solid on it, but everything that I read said that that, that could have been um, a possibility. And she, I believe she did plead um, insanity in that case. Uh-huh. I believe so. Yeah. So, so really this, it, it, it really is a, it is what it is kind of situation. There was no chance of a first degree murder conviction then because, um, they, they got expert testimony saying she wasn't in the right state of mind. So that, so at that point, the plea deal is probably the best, the best, the best way to win, I guess you would say for any sort of outcome, uh, that looked like some sort of punishment for, for the, uh, state's, the state's attorney's office. Well, that's interesting because the appeal, I mean, the appeal was interesting because what, what happened was, um, apparently it's really, the record is extremely unclear. You know, it was not very good, uh, the record was not kept very well, which is problematic for our court systems. You need to really make sure that the record is clear and accurate and you know what the facts are, what are being said. But according oh, yeah. yeah, but according to the appeal that I read, the court was like, we really don't know what happened, you know, and you guys aren't very clear with what happened. So we're going to do the best we can with this. But what happened was there was supposedly there was a test, a drug test, um, for a DUI kind of charge, because that would have put her in jail or prison uh-huh. much longer than what they had options for with this. Um, and they did a test and it was negative, but it wasn't uh-huh. clear if they ever tested for THC or what they tested for. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But then another vial of urine apparently was tested like eight months later and that came back positive. And <sighs> That means that they could have done an aggravated DUI. And I think they could have done four aggravated DUI cases, which would have meant, you know, then you can consecutively do the sentencing and it would have meant 40 some plus years. But the problem was 
they got the test back and the state didn't file the charges till nine months later. Mm. And there was a speedy trial demand. So yeah. So that's interesting. So yeah, even though new evidence was found, they couldn't, they couldn't potentially bring new charges on top of, yeah. Oh, that's tricky. I see. Right. So no, they're required. It's it's called it's called a um, mandatory. I think it's mandatory uh, joiner, which means if you've got a situation, you know, a lot of times you can charge a whole bunch of different things, right? You could charge, you know, if she rammed the car intentionally, or if she was drunk, or if you know she was you know using uh, drugs or anything like that. Those things could be charged, but they all have to be charged at the same time because you can't be charging somebody one month and then two months later you charge them with something. you know the kids sure. have to be together so they, i see yeah so they failed to do that they failed to do it initially they thought that the test was negative that she had nothing so that's what one testimony was then there was some other paperwork that indicated that that same night there was information that she had thc in her system and so with that even with the minimum i think it's like five nanograms. And so THC is tetrahydrocannabinols, which is the um, active ingredient in marijuana. So they never, they never went back to see, was she drunk at the time? Was she, you know, on drugs? She apparently admitted that she was on drugs, um, marijuana, and they just never, I don't know, I don't know what happened, but later they found out, oh yeah, here's a vial with her name on it. And she tested positive from a University of Chicago testing lab, brought that information forward. But then they oh. waited nine months before they charged those charges. And it's so, not So that's that's a whole so <laughs> that's not a story I've 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 read. Maybe that I guess I don't understand how that seems like a big mistake. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel for Miss McBride on a human level. Cause obviously I, I watched, I watched her statement. She seems to be um, sincere in her, her guilt and, and, and what she feels, right. How, but also, you know, I'm a, I have three kids. I, I can't imagine being uh, someone who would lose all of them in, in a car accident. Right. Um, and, and, and that sort of thing. And I think that's where people locally are, right? They're imagining their loved ones being the, the lost. Um, and so nobody can really put their mind around how this happened. I can't, not that nobody, but um, multiple people I've talked to. Um, it, In some ways, it almost seems like, uh, you know, I, yeah, it just seems like uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe the, the state's attorney's office made 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 a mistake here um first going uh, so hard uh with the charges and then not not paying attention to the evidence um i don't know if it, uh, this happened in 2020 i don't know if anything with the pandemic could have potentially caused issues here um certainly i guess i can speculate that i guess but right but this is one of the big i mean really this is a huge case and i don't know what the state's attorney was thinking and not because when something like this happens, you 
dot your I's and you cross your T's and you look at everything and you make sure that you, you know, but it seemed right off the bat to do intentional homicide. As a defense attorney, that perked me up and went, what the heck, really? For a car accident? And then you know that there was something going on with her because apparently she was going super fast and that in order to kill that those poor souls, they she would have had to have been going very fast. And so what was going on? And so you really would need to take a look and try to find out what was going on and, you know, comb through the evidence and talk to the officers and, you know, ask those questions. And it doesn't seem like that was done. Well, that paints a little bit of a different picture now, doesn't it, Eric? It certainly does. Uh, you know, it, it's it's always interesting to, of course, get more information, but to, to have a more of an expert kind of be able to, to inform us a little bit is, is really great. Uh, it's, it, it certainly, it makes things, I, it's, I don't want to say it cleared things up. It certainly makes things probably more, more emotionally <laughs> complex. I would say it, it uh, is, it, it, it's really, to me, it is more emotionally complex. Like I, I, I struggle so much with, with punishment. And if that's actually fitting for, you know, whatever, uh, especially when somebody is 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 insane the the dui charge thing completely muddies all of that in my opinion yeah i mean that's my my main point i think to this is i don't think anybody really could have imagined a a first degree murder i mean i don't think no matter how upset everyone was in the community I, i mean i don't it just didn't seem like that was it was ever an intentional act whether it was intoxication or whether it was whatever so i mean certainly i think that that was always something that we all kind of were a little, a little questionable of, at least from what we had, but I think maybe just assumed there was some evidence we didn't know or hadn't heard, right. but to then I, I, I could have, it, 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 it scrambled my brain a little bit, you know, to see that she, that she's out and free and on parole. And if it had been just a pure insanity situation and that's the state law and that's what it is, I mean, maybe you could be a little confused on the policy and on that, but at the same time, you know, you followed the rule of the law. It is what it is. But to then say, well, there's a chance that they, that they missed, uh, you know, other potential convictions. That's where for me, it gets, it gets a little, a little dicey where it's just like you had a chance to, to, you missed a few things there potentially. uh, And I think that's, that's going to, that's, that's, that hurts. Uh, certainly it would hurt uh, everybody in, in, that knows anything about the situation. Right. Yeah. Maybe Eric, we will uh, reach out to Josh Jones for comment. That's true. I, I was on a grand jury with Josh Jones a while ago. So yeah, he'll definitely remember me of the 30 people that he sees every six months on the grand jury. <laughs> I, I guess, uh, Kate, one other question I, I have, uh, regarding this, let, let's say a couple of sleuths like Eric and I want to, we, let's say we wanted to find out, uh, who, who was actually responsible in the state's attorney's office. Like, I know Josh Jones is the person who at the end went with the plea deal, but Todd Eiler was the person who was dealing with this at the very beginning, ironically, or not ironically, coincidentally, he's running to be the new state's attorney. Right. Um, so, you know, where I'm not trying to necessarily place blame. I guess I'm just trying to figure out who is ultimately responsible. Like, is it 
is it Mr. Farha or like, uh, can, can you, can you help, can you help point me in the right direction of like how to understand the hierarchy of the state's attorney's office or how that works? I guess it really just depends where the buck stops, you know, I, and if the top dog doesn't take the responsibility, it goes with whoever did the action. So, you know, like when they say the buck stops here, um, if you're the leader of the office, I think you're responsible, but you know, the person right underneath him, I believe Todd was the one that was working this case for that whole time. But up until uh, I know Josh took it over towards the plea agreement part of it, but I believe, right. I believe, and but I can't tell because I can't look at judici. So I don't know who the attorney was that was signed. I don't, you know, you can, you can get the transcripts and get that information. Those should be public record. I don't know you know, now that the case is over with and there aren't any appeals, I think you should be able to get that information because it should be public information. And I don't know why it's not on judiciary. I don't know why it was taken off. So maybe because well, it, it was a good case and jury. It, it, it might be covered in mold. Just, it's, <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I know. I'm sorry. I had to. I, I This is, yeah, this is a disturbing the, the the crime was disturbing um the case is is woo, it just man it's it, it is it it's is. complex fair to say it, yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah it bends my mind a bit but uh-huh. well i mean i think one of the things is i was i've been talking to a lot of people about this for the last week or so especially when you find out oh she went to prison and she was there and then she came out right away you know with what she pled to it was two consecutive three years. She's already spent half her time, three years in jail. So she would have gotten out. She might have even spent longer time in jail than she would have if she were sentenced to the same sentence because uh-huh. of good time and all that. But uh-huh. I see. But the thing that's really bothersome to me is how, this didn't have to happen. And she could have gotten treatment and counseling. And I could take you all the way back to 1980 when Jimmy Carter signed the Mental Health Act and then President Reagan and David Stockman gutted it so that people, there was not money and funding. They emptied out the state hospitals and um, there's no community support and we don't have much help or support for mentally ill. Well, Kate said a lot of things I agree with there. One thing. I was like, she said I mean, two two magic words that she doesn't Jimmy even know. Jimmy Carter. <laughs> uh, That's Brian's favorite person on no. earth. Well, yeah, now that Bob Barker's dead for sure. No, it's been it yeah, R.I.P. Bob, but yeah, no, Jimmy. Jimmy holds a uh, uh, yeah, I'm a big Jimmy Carter fan. But in yeah. in my wife works um as an LCSW and uh, works with kids with severe trauma. And uh, yeah, so totally understand the, the need for more, for more help for these, these folks. So yeah, absolutely. You know, it just, it's really sad how, so when I lived in Rochester, Minnesota, I did work I volunteered in high school at the mental health hospital and they were not lovely places but people were taken care of. And now we see them living on the streets. They're vulnerable to each other. They victimize each other. You know, I have family members that have mental health issues and have been homeless. And it's so difficult to try to help them 
and take care of them because we just simply don't have the skills. You have to, okay. like your, your wife, a social worker, oh my gosh, I think they are the most wonderful people in the world because they really <laughs> know how to do, you know, I just watch them take care of my little brother and I'm like, you guys really know how to get him to do things that we could never get him to do. It, it mental, mental health workers and, and folks like that are, uh, are definitely underrated and, and, um, and another topic we could talk about for a long time. Right. <laughs> and, but I do appreciate you bringing that point because I, I, I didn't, I don't want that to get missed either. So. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. It's definitely, it's, it's definitely something that uh, locally and nationally we can all uh, try to figure out how to do better. So, yeah. but I really appreciate you coming to talk to us tonight. Um, and um, I, before we end our chat, I just want to ask, is there anything else you wanted to add that we didn't, didn't talk about that you've, that you were, you thought we might, or, or any, anything you needed to add? No, I really felt like touching on the mental health issue was really, really important in this case because it was just sad all around. And I just feel, yeah, feel yeah, for the absolutely. family that lost their children and grandmother and wife and, you know, just heartbreaking and, you know, Ms. McBride is going to have to live with that for the rest of her life. And I, yep. she sure does wish it, you know, she, it hadn't ever happened. And I think we can prevent some of these things because the way our mental health, well, I could keep going on, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't get to it. but the way our mental health system is going, more people are going to die and they're going to be either victims of people who are mentally ill because they are unable to take care of themselves or those mentally ill people will be and have been victimized for many, many years. All, all good points. <laughs> all good points. <laughs> so, well, th well, thank you, Kate. Uh, um, uh, we, we will have to bring you back on to talk about safe and livable housing. Yep. Um, I know you are passionate about that in Quincy and, um, I've got, I've got some thoughts and ideas on that. So, uh, we will, if that's something you would like to talk about, of course. Oh, um, certainly. Yeah. I'm nor, in the, in the, policy of all sorts. <laughs> yeah. All right. You good? I am good. I am good. All right. I gotta, so there you have it, everybody. Our conversation with Kate Daniels. Eric, I just want to give you my thoughts real quick, a quick takeaway, if you don't mind. Absolutely. I would love Absolutely. to hear them. I feel like somebody's got a lot of explaining to do because this was, uh, yeah, this was fucked up. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's not really a lot of other ways to, to phrase it, to be honest. Um, I, I would say. That, as you mentioned uh, during the interview, it would be very interesting to hear the uh, the state's attorney side of this, which I'm sure they may not want to talk about it, can talk about it. You know, I, my point being, I always hate to jump to, to conclusions without hearing all of the facts. However, Kate certainly presented what seems like as many facts as are available to us currently. <laughs> So uh, I, I would be very interested to certainly dig in more, maybe you know, see what's available public information to see, see if anyone from the state's attorney's office is willing to 
lay their side of things out a little better, see if it really was what it seems, because it certainly seems uh, like there was some mistakes. Um, maybe put some of that into context. Again, I have no idea if anyone is willing, would be willing to do that or if we could make that happen. But um, Well, let's ask the listeners. Should we reach out to the state's attorney's office and see if anybody can help explain why it took 500 days or whatever yeah. it was to... And again... Or nine I mean, months, sorry, to review the evidence? We can, we can it, do a poll it's, question. It's really not to, to blame. I mean, at this point, I think... I don't know if it was Kate or, or you who mentioned it. Like At this point... I'm not even really trying to point fingers. Things have, are done. The appeals are done. Everything's done. There's no point in beating a dead horse here. However, I, I do think that the public would be interested in knowing <laughs> the full story of if there were mistakes made, then someone's responsible. And if uh, if not, if, if we're wrong about something, if there's information we don't know, then I'd love to get that cleared up. Because, again, I, I try to not jump to conclusions, but... I mean, Kate is an expert whether she, I mean, she maybe hasn't practiced in, in Illinois, uh, but she's as close to an expert as we, as we're going to get, um, probably, and certainly laid out some very compelling points that I think warrant a response, uh, in my book. But until then, uh, we have to go off what we have. And it certainly seems like quite, uh, quite a mistake or multiple mistakes. Agreed. So Quincy Cannon listeners, we appreciate you. Uh, dare I say we love you. That being said, there's more to the story, I think, and you're going to have to stay tuned to get all of it. So, Eric, you got anything else to add? I don't. Uh, again, I really appreciate uh, Kate's time uh, and her expertise. Uh, we record kind of late at night usually, so I appreciate her taking the time. Uh, it really means a lot, and uh, I look forward to uh, hopefully having her back on in the future to talk about a plethora of other topics that she uh, that she is is an expert and has a lot of knowledge on. Absolutely. So, thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks everybody. Mom, no, me,